in the stock's examples and let's just see where it goes. We can't mess this up, can't right? Can't mess it up. No, <laughs> subplots. So it's not, nothing's hard about that. Are you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Welcome to the Book Editor Show. I'm Clark Chamberlain. Today, we continue our discussion of the elements of fiction, mainly plot. This episode, subplot. And today's show is brought to us by Ironclad Outline. Outlines help us get a firm understanding of your story, but an Ironclad Outline will help you write faster, gain readers, and crush doubt. Visit thebookeditorshow.com forward slash outline to learn more. Humans have marveled at the pyramids of Giza and the similar design of those in South America. Did they have a shared blueprint? And if they did, where are those people now? Clues left behind point to a higher intelligence that went to the stars, but clues also point to some that stayed behind to help guide us. Are they walking among us now? Am I about to talk to one of them now? I think you know the answer. He's my friend and co-host, Peter Turley. Peter, how are you doing today? Um, earthly. And I, feel, I feel like you might have just called me an alien. <laughs> higher intelligence. I don't know. Like, that's not a bad Okay. Thing. All right. Yeah. It's got its pros. <laughs> I, did, I did sort of realize that sort of when we went live there, that I'm probably often always kind of smiling like a moron. <laughs> which might be quite alien, um, especially at like English time, half seven on a Thursday night. But I just want to say it's because we we have literally just been having a conversation before we go live. So I'm usually laughing at something you've literally just said <laughs> and then you hit it and you're doing this intro and I'm stood there like... <laughs> <laughs> But I'm good. I'm I'm doing good. Um, you know, it's good to be back. Um, I feel you know I'm just having ideas already. You know, we're going to be talking about subplot today, and I'm thinking, should we have weaved this into last week's show? Mm, that mm, that's, mm. that would be an interesting way to you do it. You earthly beings don't think of that, do you? No, we don't. You know, they just <laughs> want to just plug along with one thing <laughs> and just forget about all this other stuff. <laughs> Oh, it is going to be a good show. Like I'm really excited about it, to talk about. It's going to be the pyramid of subplots. <laughs> it will thicken. It will thicken as we go deeper into this Ooh, master nice. weave. Yes, yeah. so yes. we're going to drag this metaphor out. We are. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into that, though, uh, let's talk about the struggle. You know, the struggle of writing, of editing, of doing this. Uh, what struggle? Yeah, there's no struggles, right? <laughs> there's nothing at all. Um, <laughs> So this, this week, um, and, and by the way, uh, those of you that are listening, please uh, share your struggles that are going on and successes. We'd love to share those here with everyone instead of just Peter or myself doing this. But I'm going to take this one this week. Um, so uh, something that I haven't shared really much of, um, this summer my son was diagnosed with uh, OCD. That's an obsessive compulsive disorder. And it was... Um, it, uh, it, you know, looking back, it was not a huge shock, actually. You know, they would always noticed some very interesting behaviors. Just thought it was a little quirky. Um, the more I've learned about it, though, it's not just what you see on television. It's not just the clever person, you know, who's out there putting things at right angles. <laughs> hmm. And um, and so, yeah, so he's got a real struggle with this. It's, you know, it's like right on that same, almost the same caliber of, of schizophrenia. So, 
there's a lot of treatment that's going on, you know, counseling and uh, medication now. And, and uh, unfortunately, he got denied uh, health coverage for this, which really sucks. And that's added in a financial burden onto my side that I'm you know, trying to help out with. And um, to do that, because I need to make sure I've got that every month. And of course, the editing work uh, kind of ebbs and flows. Um, so I took, uh, I went back to an old job at night at a bar <laughs> and working over there, you know, to make sure I've got this. And I'll tell you what, you know, it, it's, uh, it's really killing me. You know, it's like, it's up late, um, of course, working there and then coming early in the morning to start work over here and get everything done. Um, and it's so easy. Like there's so much temptation there, right. To just drop the, drop the thing that's not providing the income, right. You know, mm. on a regular, regular basis. And so, I mean, we're just barely starting the show back up, just getting back into this life. You know, I feel like I got the second chance and all of a sudden this thing hits me and I'm thinking, well, maybe I should just take full-time hours over there and just do that. But man, you know, like the, to do that though, I know that so much sacrifice would be wasted on my part. You know, I've done so much to try to make this stuff work. And so just really sitting in there and I think we've all been there before, right? You know, that, that spot of this makes things easier in my life. Should I just keep it easy? Yeah, no, totally. Um, <clears throat> you know, you've kind of, and I, I, I wouldn't say, you know, you find yourself in too comfortable a situation, but, you know, comfortable is subjective. Obviously, you're going to be more comfortable doing something you enjoy. But yeah, man, it's oh, it's so easily done. Um, the, that's why they call it the rat trap though, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they really, they get you into it. And it's so... It is so easy to just, um, there's a, and I'm not sure who made the quote, but I've, I've heard it a couple of times now. It's like, uh, how much did they first pay you to give up on your dreams? You know, and that's that whole idea, you know, that uh, we get locked into that. And we were talking off air about this a minute ago. If you take the day job and you're doing that and you're committed to it, all of a sudden you start living at that higher level, you know, because you've got that income that's coming in and maybe that's easy. And that makes it even more difficult to walk away from it. Yeah. No, um, oh man, I, I was supposed to be going to um, a literary event in London tomorrow, um, and then um, couldn't get the time, couldn't get the time free to to go and do it, um, and that that was oh man, that was a kick. Um, but it, but also just like a reminder that you know you've you've just got to constantly re reassess and remind yourself. Um, what it is that you're aiming for because it's so easy to forget that day to day. And especially like you say, um, if you're looking at it from what is helping, what's making life easier today, you know, like we, like you say, you know, what's, what's helping you with this, this situation that's come up with your son. Um, it's, it's, it's so easy to, to just go all in for that. Well, yeah, you know, and that, and going back to the bar, the only reason I'm there is because it's my son. Like there's, there's no, no other way that I would ever take a, a day job from someone because I am fully committed onto what it is that I'm doing here, but now I'm just having to do it more and, um, just trying to, it, it actually has helped me focus. You know, that like if we take our struggles, we take those, those opportunities to, uh, use that to fuel what it is that we're trying to do. You know, and that's where, that's where I'm at. Although it is, yeah. I'm tired, but like, it's, you know, like I'm, I'm doing more <laughs> trying to, <laughs> we, we pro I was going to say like, we probably both sound exhausted right yeah. now. <laughs> Cause I mean, it's also like, like I say, it's like half seven my end too. So I'm off the back end of a day. Yeah. 
<laughs> right. You know, and, well, and the other day I was counting the hours and I'm like, Oh goodness, it's been, been up for over 19 hours now working. And like, I've got to get some sleep. I got to get this thing. Cause that's mm. important too, to keep it going. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like right now I'm doing everything possible I can to like figure this all out so I can yeah. not do the night work. So that's a good attitude though, you know, like thinking, what can I, what, how can I use this? And, and I think routine is definitely, definitely a positive, you know, it's, you know, it's giving you something to, to no choice, but to get up, you know, um, I probably wouldn't even be dressed right now if I hadn't been out, you know, <laughs> earning the dollar. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so if you're out there, you know, and you're listening to this and, and you're in that situation too, um, trying to figure out the exit strategy, I think would be the first thing. Like if you, uh, you know, if you've got the day job, if you had to take something like I'm having to take right now, looking at it, understanding short term, don't get committed to it. Keeping, keeping directly, um, watching how you're going to keep moving forward on what it is that you want, because it, that's, that's what it's all about. Eventually, like, cause I know that I've done this before, know that I've been able to make a really good living doing this before. And it just takes time to get it all back. It's that time commitment though. That time commitment can be mm. scary, especially if you're first starting out. Yeah. I think, um, definitely remembering, you know, what, what, what you're doing it for and that you're using it as a tool, you know, it's just another tool that's, that's helping you get towards what it is that you're aiming for. It's not a distraction. It can be a distraction and that's the danger. Um, but it can be also the thing that really gets you down. And I think knowing that I'm not going to let it be a distraction and, and taking that power back and, and reminding yourself, I'm choosing to do this. Um, so that I can get to this and, yeah. and, and, you know, using it as a tool. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, you want to hit that sacrifice. You got to understand there's a sacrifice, especially if you're really trying to make this and really trying to make something work in your own life and doing something that other people are not doing, you know, because this is not an average life and it takes more <laughs> like it, it, like the average life, it would be for me to quit doing what I'm doing. Um, with the, with the editing, with the writing, walk away from all that, walk away from the dream. That's the average thing to do so that I could go rest and have an easy thing. But I know that it's hard and I'm willing to make the sacrifices one for my kid and two for myself because long-term mm. those are the things I think that matter the most. Yeah. And those, and those periods of rest that do come intermittently like little tired commas in the sentence of your life <laughs> I like that. I like <laughs> but, that. <laughs> but you know it makes them all the sweeter as well you know when you you know you maybe you throw netflix on or something and you know you've just got an hour or you've got two hours and you you really you're worn out from the ground you know that's that's all that sweeter for mm -hmm. the for the fact that you have worked hard for it you know and it isn't you know, eight hours of your day, just chilling. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, one, one last thought on this before we, we jump into the rest of the show, but, uh, but yeah, like taking a moment to, to understand that we have a capacity that most of the time we don't actually touch. You know, we have the ability to do so much more than we are currently doing. And that's how we're designed. We're designed for those, for those moments of pushing really hard. And then we get a rest and push really hard and we get a rest and, and understand that it's not going to kill you. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure so. And if it does, then you don't have to worry about anything anymore. And then, so like, it's just, that's what you got to do. And you got to push hard and you got to know that, that it's going to work out because <laughs> you're going to have the failures, but it's going to work out eventually because you keep on it. You know, mm. um, 
I remember something my father said before he passed away to me. He's like, um, as long as you keep showing up, doing the same thing every day, eventually everyone else will be gone. Like, <laughs> you know, that idea of if you stay doing the same thing that you love and keep doing it all the time, um, other people won't be able to handle that, right? They won't be able to handle doing what it is that you do. And so if you're really committed to that thing and you keep doing it, eventually you'll be at the top because everyone else has quit. Yeah. The, the, Jim Rohn said, um, you know, the, there's only, you know, he quotes the, the Bible a lot and he says, you know, there was only there was six days of work and one day of rest. You know, he was like, don't get, don't get it the wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs> we do though. We do. We get that. Um, we want comfort because it's nice. Right. Mm. Um, I was listening to, to Gary V talk yesterday. Um, he was talking about living in the shit, right. You know, that he was talking about that. Uh, so, so many people, would be much further along if they stopped taking care of themselves or not, or not taking care of, stop treating themselves, you know, stop buying the car that you don't need, stop living in the place that you don't need, you know, sacrifice some of this stuff, um, bring your, bring that high standard of living and comfort down until you get it, what it is that you want, what, what you really want, right? Cause what we really want is not the things like what we really want is the life that provides us purpose. And we're never going to get that if we're just always chasing the stuff or the comfort. Preach. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. And uh, certainly I'm excited to jump into today. And, and, now, and now we're expecting you to think about a subplot when you've just had like, you know, a wisdom bomb like that dropped yeah, on you. Yeah, I know. Good luck. <laughs> it's almost like we need two different shows. Like I'm feeling like sometimes we need a second show. Well, we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll, we'll, we'll get all so, so now you're all motivated to like do some work. Just uh -huh. sit down and listen to this. And sit down. Yeah. Now. 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let's do this. Let's pause. You know, you pause where you're at right now. Go do the thing that you need to go do and then come back and listen to the rest yeah. of the show. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good one. I'll say that. <laughs> all right. So before we jump into it though, let's grammar. This is going to be easy, right? Like this whole oh, show. Yeah. On what, could go, what could go wrong? Nothing could go wrong. Everything Nothing is could work. go wrong. Low hanging fruit. It's right there. Reach for it. It's yours. <laughs> That's right. So the idea of subplot, which is also sometimes called a B story. You know, in script writing, you have the A story, B story. Uh, in novel, we got the plot and the subplot. And what exactly is that, Peter? What exactly is a subplot? That's a nice curveball. Thanks, Clark. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that I think that could be a thing that you can you can probably pick up in the show where every now and then we'll throw the other one a curveball <laughs> just just to see how they handle it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so spell onomatopoeia. Go. <laughs> so a subplot, like you say, you know, it's it's not we'll we'll start. I always like to start a definition with what it isn't. Uh, you know, it's it's not the main plot. Surprise. <laughs> um, it's it's often used. So what what does it do? It often it's often used to heighten tensions, uh, deepen understandings of the main plot, explain uh, character choices and decisions. Um, it can moderate the the pace of a story. Um, you know, provide that much needed relief. Um, that's, I think that's why often you will find many subplots are usually romance because, um, you know, they can provide that relief from, you know, a, a quite dramatic um, conflict that's running through the main plot. But they can also give like a global view of the world surrounding the main plot. Um, you know, I'm going to open with fantasy here, but we're not staying with fantasy. <laughs> but, you know, like Lord of the Rings, you know, you see like um, 
legless an hour ago and off like doing their own thing sometimes and it just gives you that that wider worldview so sometimes it can serve a simpler purpose as that um and i'm going to start with the fantasy after this one probably maybe not but um <laughs> you know it can also be not so clear what the subplot or main plot is like you know you take game of thrones you know you've got plots all over the place um it's really hard it's going to be hard to say at, at any point you know whose story is this right now mm-hmm. um but i think if we if we're going to boil it down after that huge tangent and that's what you get for throwing me a curveball <laughs> <laughs> is it's what prevents a writer going from point a to point b without explaining the necessary character changes that got them there mic drop boom right there it's done <laughs> so thanks for thanks for listening today that's what we got <laughs> No, so exactly. You know, like the, um, I really liked what you were saying about how that it's helping to um, help set up all of this other stuff, and especially, especially those those what I would call rest stops, right? You know, these spots where we need to actually bring the tension down. We need to do that because other otherwise, our readers just too overly stimulated, like they, and so it's hard for them to keep going. And so having that change is really good. And so. Another thing, like um, the idea of sometimes you can't identify it. And that's a whole other can of worms. I'm just thinking about the multiple point of view. Open it. Right. You know, who's, where is the plot and where is the subplot? And does each one of them have their own plot and subplot? You know, and like all of this type of different stuff. Let's not get into that. Because that's, that's a four-hour conversation right there on its own. But <laughs> we'll do a multiple point it, of view. That's right. I know. <laughs> Put a pin in it and we'll do a multiple point of view season, I think is almost <laughs> what you'd need for that. But, um, but let's just take a look on a single point of view character or moving through this. Um, I really like that sometimes it does take looking at – because we – we immediately said last week, let's get some examples <laughs> that aren't Harry Potter and <laughs> make sure that, you I, I know, did that. I, did I know you did. So fancy. <laughs> more. And, um, and so one of the things I immediately started thinking is like, all right, so what are some of the books that are really like, and where's the subplot? Because when it's done really well, it's sometimes hard to see because mm. it's just this great weave in between the regular story that's going on. Um, but a clear one for me was Elmore Leonard's uh, stick. And uh, this is one of these, uh, the stories that I, I continually go back to and read, I especially like the, uh, the narrator for the audible version. And so a lot of times he reads me to sleep because it's just such a great voice, <laughs> man. Some of those people, they, you know, I idolize some of those, those mm-hmm. voiceover people. It's just like, ah, I need more of that in my ear. Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> I can just want you to read me the news or anything. So, um, <laughs> my obituary, I don't, I don't yeah. mind. <laughs> So I love this, love this story. And the subplot in there is really interesting because it does not necessarily some, most plots end up somehow affecting the, or most subplots usually wind back up having a major effect on uh, the climax of the, of the story. A lot of times it happens. This one actually is moved back just a little bit and uh, is more about the resolution of the story than the climax. So during, uh, I'll just do a quick setup here for Stick. He's this guy, he's out of prison. You know, he's trying to get his life back together. He'd been in prison, I don't know. It's, it's been a lot of years. He had a daughter before he went in who was just barely knew him, you know, and she hasn't really replied to letters. And so he's gone to Florida to, to 
try to reconnect with her. And of course, going to Florida to reconnect with her has brought him into this other plot, you know, the main plot of the story. And so the subplot here, it allows him to go out and shows more of his character, develops it in a way that we wouldn't get if he was just doing the, uh, the um, crime element of the main story, you know, that the main story is going on. And so I love that. And as we move along, you know, and as it's, it's continuing to grow and move forward, um, we get these little insights into his life. Previously, we get insights into his relationship with his daughter, which then, of course, um, shows us how he's uh, relating to other people. Now, at one point, though, in this subplot, uh, he does use his daughter to help write up type because he doesn't know how to type, right? So he gets it. She's in a typing class in her school. And so she's helping him type up this report because he's going to use this financial scam on this guy to get his money back. And so there is a small element where she's used into what will become the climax. But then it, where it ends with it is the stuff that he gets from the climax, the, uh, the, the money that he gets ends up having to all go to child support. He gets a letter, you know, it gets a court order right at the very end of the story because he's about to walk away from all this stuff with the money and you know, on the place he was at. And they're like, hey, stick this, uh, you know, the, someone dropped off this paper for you and it's his court order to pay the almost exact amount that he had stolen from this guy, right, to the ex-wife and to what he owes. So it does come back around, but it's all resolution. And it, it, but it does this great job of expanding this whole world and, and really highlighting his character. Yeah, and it can, which, I mean, I've not, I've not read that particular story, but seemed perhaps a little to do this, that it, it can explain the, the twist too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's when it's really art, when a twist is really artfully pulled off, uh, when the Easter eggs are hidden in the subplot, um, so that something comes back that, because you kind of subconsciously knew you were in a subplot, you weren't paying that much attention to, and you're like, ah, oh, of course that was going to happen because you know X, Y, and Z happened yeah. subtly along the way. Yeah, and uh, it, it is a lot of fun that way because it's a uh, it's get what you kind of deserve type of story. And that's uh, one of the things I really like about Elmore Leonard's writing is that a lot of these guys don't actually get away with everything that they're trying to get away with. And uh, but at the same time, you know, it does hit you out of kind of left field on this one is fun and i think one of the other things talking about character just for a moment is that a subplot can really help add those multi-dimensional levels to a character and show what they really actually care about it can show you know that they have other interests it can show um them outside of that main pressure points the main problems that the plot's delivering yeah and and, and sometimes you know you sort of fall in love with a character sometimes it's it's just fun to see them in different situations, you know, and, and see how the, you know, say it's not a love story, see how they handle that. And if it is a love story, um, see how they handle something else. I mean, and, and this is, this is a huge example, like Shakespeare loved his subplots. Um, but you know, like Romeo and Juliet is essentially a love story, which is kind of like, you know, love stories are often find themselves as the, as the subplot but in a love story a subplot is especially required because otherwise you otherwise it's just a love story yeah. <laughs> so it, it it gives you the 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 depth and the drama that and the dramatic tension that that wouldn't be there if, you know if they met and there was nothing in the way obviously you know you've got the subplot which is the Montague's and capulets at war um 
and without that it wouldn't be as meaningful mm -hmm. um but i think as well you you get into it, it provides that contrast you know so you've got a love story and then you've got war um you know and you you might have you've got a, a particularly hard character you get to see them in soft situations it provides that contrast it, and it lets you see someone that you're enjoying reading um go out into a slightly wider world and get themselves involved in situations that aren't the main plot mm -hmm. and along with this not the main plot our subplots running and it might be running through the entire story it might be picked up somewhere in the middle of the story or or the beginning and end early but we need to start recognizing you know when does the when does the plot if we looked at it like the light switch being on the light switch being on off when is the plot on when is the subplot on right like switching these on and off and can they both so which one's on I'm, I'm but is it, we got is we got two dimmer? switches we got, got two, yeah, we got to have two switches <laughs> okay. yeah, you know no dimmer no dimmer no dimmer well but honestly like so if we looked at uh, the episode we did quite a long time ago on scene and sequel right like so if i was having the subplot be the main focus there it's on right now i would want to shut it off in a way and trigger into something to move me back into the main plot or i could do it vice versa having them run on at the same time is going to be more difficult. And especially when you're editing mm -hmm. it and looking at it, like look, cause we're looking for things that are motivating. Right. So these are some of the things that I'd start to look at um, as you're trying to push through that. Hey Clark. Yeah. How can you avoid that happening? Hmm. That's very interesting. Nice. I'm going to go in the back. I'm up against the wall and it's going to be right here. So that one. <laughs> So one of the things that I would look at every single time, oh, and Dami's prepared. <laughs> every single time I would take a look at whatever you're doing in a scene and I would look at uh, four things and I'm going to call them the four P's now. I've added a fourth P. So over this last <laughs> couple of years. <laughs> so when I used to teach this to kids, right, uh, I would come in and I'd teach them the three P's and I'd break it down like this, you know, that you have a protagonist in the place and they have a problem. And that's the basic elements of story. However, like as I've gone along, I've realized I'm missing a very important part here, that there's no payoff, right? That you have to have a payoff in every scene that you've got. Something has to happen. And payoff can be negative. Payoff can be positive. So if I was to take a look at this and I was going to map this out, looking at my subplot to move to my regular plot, I would take a look at who's there, where are we at, what's actually happening, what's the issue involved, is it the main plot, is it the subplot, and then what's my payoff, what's going to need to change in order to move to the next thing. And the reason why I want to do that in every single scene is so that I can be clear. I can be clear of what's going on. And it may be weaved in really well. Like I said, we're moving from subplot to plot, right? But we've done it with something that has changed. So for instance, talking about stick, if you were to read the book, you'd go in there and you'd see, hey, here's the main idea of the plot is to bring the kid to help me do some typing. And then I switch to subplot because we get there and now we have a nice father-daughter conversation. We've had a switch that's taken place. We're moving into the subplot. And then something happens where he needs to change again, right? He drops her back off and now someone's following him. You know, and now we've got plot going back on and we're switching between these and they're not running on at the same time. And that can really help weave things together in a way that uh, engages your reader more. 
because they're not confused of what's actually happening. And I think that's one of the things that I notice when I'm doing editing uh, on large story idea is that sometimes we forget to have a switch. We forget to change things by the end of a scene. Something actually has not happened. There was not a payoff. It didn't go negative or positive. And so those are some things I would suggest looking at. Back to you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. Um, I think like I I've myself have a problem I've seen a few times when editing is that subplots can go on too long. Um, <clears throat> you know, maybe the writer's been getting some relief themselves from, mm-hmm. you know, having to worry about the plot. Um, and, a, and a way to avoid that is, is the same way you'd avoid encountering a problem with the main plot. You know, when you begin, start, start with an outline, start with a purpose, know what it is that you're aiming for. What's the purpose? Why does this subplot even exist? What, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to explain a particular character trait? Are you trying to introduce a new character? So, you know, know that going in and, you know, that's a really, really useful way of avoiding, you know, this often seen problem of um, deep, you might, like I've, I've, I've read books myself and like, if, if you've ever seen it, you know, you're, you're in the subplot so long that you, you, you're disoriented when you come back into the main plot and you forgot like what were the protagonists was, what they were, what they were up to in the main plot. And you've kind of got to reorient yourself. <laughs> in yeah. some of it. And that's, that's a sign that the subplots ran on a little too long. Right. And, um, and I think uh, like you're saying, like identifying what it is it is doing is, is very key. And sometimes you're going to find that maybe your subplot really is just a scene that you could then tie back in just to the regular plot. And it's just a scene by itself and actually doesn't deserve to have a whole running series because you need to figure out where, again, I said, does subplot start early? Does it start late? You've got to decide where that is going to enter and where it's going to leave. And how many times do you need to have it show up? Because Mm -hmm. maybe it's just a scene. Maybe it's just a clever idea. The other day. um, So one of the, uh, sub projects I've been working on <laughs> is this idea of uh, of the sci-fi world, and so I've been my older boy, um, who's just in his senior year of high school, so it's a lot of fun. He's about to do college this next year, and uh, so he's been really interested in story. We sat down and we worked and knocking out some outline stuff. And one of the things I asked him is like, so what kind of fun things do you want to see in here? What kind of stuff that would be fun to have in the story? We're just brainstorming ideas, and so some of those the majority of those were scenes, right? The scenes that we could tie into a plot or subplot, but we were able to identify one as the main subplot of the story. You know, this other, this one thread that was going to be able to have multiple scenes involved with main action in there. So I would take a look at that. Like if it's running too long, are there ways to tie it back in or do you need to cut it? Do you need to, um, maybe you're telling the wrong story. Like if this subplot is so interesting to you, you know, and like, this is the thing you want to talk about. Maybe it's the plot and maybe you need to change things entirely. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to make changes. Even if you have an outline, even if it's a strong outline, an outline's not in stone. And if if the story is better told, we've talked about that before, changing the character's point of view, you know, moving it to somebody else instead, do the story the best justice that you can. Mm. And it, it depends at what point you, you're coming into this, but it, you know, it's so true. We often write our way into a story and it's perfectly viable and okay. If you've, you know, you've accessed the story through a subplot or a, you know, a, 
secondary character and you don't realize that till later on but uh, you know as long as you realize it <laughs> yeah right because i think the, the worst thing you could do is that the real story was a subplot or a secondary character and you've pushed out the story as the <laughs> as your original main plot and main character and the reader's like this is actually not that interesting i'm much more interested in the subplot i'm much mm. more interested in the secondary stuff that's going on i really don't care about the main thing um I hope I think that's not it, happening. <laughs> if you want to sort of, um, and this is only just because I've been I've watched it recently. If you want to see it done well visually, um, I don't, a really good one. I don't know if you, have you watched the new um, Paul Rudd series on Netflix, Living oh, with Yourself. The, uh, Living with Yourself. I've seen the preview. I've not started watching it. It's it's good, um, but what was interesting about it was the plot's kind of leapfrog. So you'll kind of have, you know, the, the story going along and then it'll get to a point and then the sort of current side plot, it'll hop to that, but it's, it's gone back a few steps and then it'll, that will then lead up to then explain what had, what had, what the turning point was in that the main plot had reached and then, and then that'd carry on and then it would hop off again. But, but back in time and then lead back up to it through a side plot. Um, and it's, it was just a really interesting and, you know, way to sort of see it visually, see how, and, and get you get you thinking on that, you know, there are things running parallel to the, the main plot and you've got to be aware of what those are, you know, what's, what are the other characters doing as time's progressing in the main plot and how are they explaining each other? Yeah. And, is actually is kind of funny that um, when we got finished last week, we had talked just briefly, um, <laughs> and now it's gonna now it's totally forgotten. The the uh, memento we we talked briefly about the movie memento. <laughs> oh, that's quite ironic. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I did forget. <laughs> Let's we go backwards. And, <laughs> yep. um, and then uh, on Sunday after we had spoke, I had watched just uh, the honest trailers on every Christopher Nolan movie. Like it just showed up. And so there's a spot spot in there, right? That's a behind the scenes thing where he's done this diagram uh, on this really big, weird loop method and cutting different sections and how he structured all of Memento, which is just insane. Like it's just, it's like watching a crazy person on there. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, the way that you tell the story, you do need to have, especially if it's a complicated method, like you need to have a way to look at this. Um, one of the authors that uh, I have the pleasure of currently working with her and before, um, Lisa Marie uh, Caberlet, and she sent me a, the first time we worked together on an outline, she sent me a Excel doc, um, which I thought was a, a really good way to help map and keep track of this type of stuff, where she had every single scene, um, how it was affecting her plot, how it was affecting her subplot if necessary, and where these different types of characters came in and out. And it was a really good visual way to look at what's going on. So you need to, you do need to have a way to do this when you're in that editing process um, mm -hmm. to make sure that you've clearly established what it is that you're trying to do for what you're trying to get through to your reader. Yeah. You, you, you still need to say it, see it laid out. I mean, when I was sort of putting my last collection of poems together, this is a subplot to what we're talking about, <laughs> but um, you know, I had to lay them all out just to see how they looked, how big each section was. And because you, when you've just got it in your head 
or like one big document that you're scrolling through, you know, some, sometimes you need to see how the pieces are fitting the whole. Um, and you know, if, if, if you're one of those Excel minded people, then that's awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Excel doesn't have to be the only way you can, you can do it the old fashioned way and put sticky notes on your wall. Right. Mm-hmm. You know that the, that's a big way that you used to do, uh, or still, do. Oh, they don't last that long though. They, they, they no, always the fall sticky off. Notes do fall off. Eventually. So annoying. Yeah. <laughs> you can uh, <laughs> use a thumbtack and use whatever you need to, <laughs> however you need to do it. You got to get into a method of doing this and you do need to be established uh, or, uh, have a clear understanding that you do have two things going on here, a plot and a subplot. And that those are your A, B stories. Be clear about that. Understand what you're trying to do with them and then be able to move them together as best as possible. Because the more you can tie those two stories together, the more genius you look like by the time it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think to ensure that they're going to tie back together, you know, as you're going along, ask, you, like, ask yourself, could this plot stand alone because really it shouldn't you know the subplot should never be able to kind of function as its own thing and if it is then you've got to ask yourself that question we were talking about earlier um and i think as long as and this doesn't always have to happen you know exceptions your subplot is beginning and ending with the main plot and couldn't really exist as its own plot then you know you're you're half the way there (laughs) yeah because i um i think if you're still having a difficult time grasping this i think detective novels really do a good job because usually we're Mm -hmm. talking about that there are two stories involved right at the beginning of a detective novel and one of them is a subplot one of them is the main plot and of course it by the end they are the same plot or they they tie back together they're not the same plot but in some way they have tied back together the Mm -hmm. one helps solve the other and yeah. and so I think that's a, a really good, easy way to visually think about that when you're talking about these. Um, yeah, I think standard, you know, um, a significant love interest comes into their life and changes the way they view the work and, you know, is the catalyst for character change. You know, like you say, yeah, that's a sort of easy way to, to imagine how a subplot affects a main plot. Right. And so I, I think that, I hope that helps you understand like when I was talking about the idea that maybe your subplot is not a subplot and that it is a scene because perhaps you want to show that the character is interested, has, has interests and hobbies. And so they collect stamps. You might just have a scene where they're doing the stamp collecting thing or talking to someone and they get some information that might not be enough to run the whole thing. So you can still have other things that are going on. Hmm. that aren't necessarily needing to have multiple scenes that connect together to form a subplot. Yeah. And you'll often find that, you know, yeah, you, you, you know, you go off and you show another scene, but then the main plot comes knocking again, you know, so they're off doing this other thing. And then, you know, the main plot come like comes to the door, fine, like maybe figuratively or literally. Yeah. Um, and like you say, they are kind of always intersecting. Um, and it isn't just this, you know, and if it is just a scene that's totally disconnected from the main plot, then and and the story works without it, then you should probably lose it. Yeah, and because um, you ask yourself the question, what is it doing? Why is it doing it? Is it doing it well? Like, if you ask those questions, you should be able to establish a pretty clear understanding 
if it's doing what it needs to be doing. And um, this is, you know, probably where you're at a point where you're having to kill darlings. You, you might have that amazing scene and you love the scene and it's really great, but it actually doesn't progress the storyline either one. It doesn't actually really do anything. Save it. <laughs> you don't have to delete it forever. You don't have to throw it away. Save it for something else. You know, any moment where the reader scratches their head or, you know, that it just doesn't actually serve the purpose of helping to advance the story. We have to be honest and we have to be willing to cut those things because we want to keep the reader engaged as much as possible. Yeah. And I think having that place that you put those things kind of does away with that feeling that you're killing them. <laughs> right. And that, those folders are so much fun to look through sometimes. Yeah, they really are. Um, as a, so one of the things that I was doing this last year is I was reworking the Hank Hudson novels, like cutting, because the, the first one, I get a lot of real great love on the first one, a lot of really uh, heavy connection with people and they're reading it. And the second one, it just kind of, it doesn't fall flat, but it does not have the same engagement. And so I really started like pulling it apart and using all the tools that I talk about here, like really pulling apart my own work. And I started noticing a lot of things. One thing, it's almost twice as long as the first one, you know, like you got all these different types of stuff going on. And so um, start pulling out portions of plot and subplot and moving them apart and actually figuring out, Hey, I could actually easily make two books out of this by just not cutting it in half, but like I got to like completely rework stuff and move things around. But there's a whole, you know, that that's a possibility. I'm not losing it. I'm, I got to make cuts. I got to do things to, to keep it same, but different. You got yourself a predicament right there. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> So, just to, just to point that out, you know, reinforce. Yeah, it is it is a real problem, and um, you know, like uh, I think that's how are you going to grow from this? Oh man, it's growing. It's growing really well. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, you know, we look back. I if it was if there was any other reason besides I'm just wanting to really make the best stories that I can, I would not say, hey, go back and rework something. But where it has so much um, fall off rate on that care or reader engagement and that's my thing right i want to show people that you can really engage your reader i need to go back and make my changes to it so that it can be better and um but it's actually really exciting to do it because now i've had another <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of other people's books that i've worked on thousands of people that i've talked to all the stories all the stuff that we've worked on it gives me this huge wealth of knowledge to be able to go back and rework it and it's it's yeah. great it's so great <laughs> i'm glad you're enjoying it yeah yeah <laughs> Because <laughs> there's, I mean, there's nothing worse than going back to something and thinking, "What, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with this?" Yeah. And and because uh, it's really funny, because I still, you know, if I'm if I'm being one hundred percent honest, I think it's some of the best stuff I've ever written. It's a really fantastic book, but it's not the same book as the first book. And we got to remember, in a series, same but different, right? Mm. We've got to have enough similarities so that people have those same types of feelings, and then the small changes. But um, that's another story. That's another show. <laughs> Sorry. Don't need to get Welcome off back. on that. Yep. <laughs> so I think we've done a pretty decent job of talking about uh, where the subplot's going to fit in. I think so. How we yeah. can use all this stuff, right? Five um, stars. Five stars for us. We're awesome today. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any last thoughts on, on, uh, on wrapping some of this up? Um, I, I poured them all through the microphone and you should be grateful. Okay. I, no. I am grateful. <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, I think 
as you say with the the scene sequel thing um and you know if you've not listened to that go back and listen to it um something that is integral to every scene you know every part of the plot every part of the subplot is pacing um and often that can be the thing that stops someone putting the book down and increases that engagement so use subplot you know let it help you with your pacing um recognize when you need the relief um from the main plot um you know recognize if it's going on for too long um if it just needs to be a scene um and just just acknowledge that you know it can it really can have that power um and it's something that that is something i think isn't to be ignored um because you know if you can get that balance of pacing right then and and you know get someone to the end of the book you know, if one that, that's that's most of the battle. You know, yeah. whether they liked it or not, mm, yeah, they, they probably don't even remember. remember <laughs> <laughs> I think you can definitely mark that up as a win if you can get them to finish it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and and I guess you know because it's just right there at the top of my mind, real fast. Instead of you know, it might not be a, a question of having to cut a subplot. It might be a question of having to rearrange it. Now that it just might be in, I move this scene to a different part of the book. I move stuff around. I, I just reshift mm-hmm. things, and then it works out on the pacing wise. So, like you, you know, it's a subplot. What's that? Clark in a bar. <laughs> that is, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like where is that going to go? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, um, I, and I think, uh, but you know, he's he's bringing it back to the main plot. Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so because it might go too long, right? Like I can't allow yeah. it to go too long and to keep me off of what the main, the main plot is. And that's becoming the world's greatest storyteller, right? You know, cause that's uh, or maybe this is where George R. R. Martin comes yes. into a bar, right? And then I'm like, hi, George. Yeah, I see. And it's going to affect the main story. <laughs> oh boy. I hope that I'm not just somebody's story. Like, have you ever watched that Stranger Than Fiction? Yes. Oh, yeah, I wrote an essay on it. it yeah, it, uh, it's a what, a what, that's so great, but mm-hmm. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's it is. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it, folks. It's a great one. Um, yeah. so Think just, of Clark when you watch it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, How'd just you to, watch? Did you? <laughs> you know, it broke. Like, so, to you. <laughs> I hear this voice. She's like a British woman talking to me about my day. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll try to talk deeper. <laughs> uh, just, to, just to finish and, and wrap everything up here, just remember, folks, again, um, as you're doing this, ask those questions. What's it doing? Why is it doing it? Is it doing it well? Is it really actually helping to improve or, or or emphasize those other areas, those other main elements of the story. That's the first thing you want to be looking at. And um, thank you so much, Peter. It's really fun today. I love this. Um, and hey, we got we got that low hanging fruit though, right? I think we did. I mean, I certainly don't <laughs> feel like we need to come back and do a better, tighter show. I think we did. Yeah, we didn't fall out the tree. No, not this time. <laughs> Held on tight. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in, and don't forget to stop by thebookheadershow.com forward slash outline to learn how Ironclad Outlines can help you write faster, gain readers, and crush doubt. Tune in next week and learn how to edit a domineering plot. For my co-host, Peter Turley, thank you for listening. Keep writing, keep learning, and build a better book. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras, and for information on how to be a guest on the show.